This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, Jess. Hey, Elsie. Oh, sorry, I should redo that because I sounded surprised. Oh, <laughs> it's hardly should, a surprise. Should we start over again? Okay, here no, we go. No, we don't have. Hi, it. Jess. Hi, Elsie. <laughs> nice to see you. We haven't been on the phone for twenty minutes already at all. I know. No, we have not. Oh gosh, gosh, so many things going on. I gotta say, we were super stoked. We have this jam-packed episode for you, and we had really um, planned for this for about. Almost two weeks, right, to be doing this episode um, and finally about to do it. And then right before we are about to record, because remember, we are kind of time shifted. We're starting. We usually record on Wednesdays. We post on Mondays. So there is like a uh, a time uh, travel experience for most of you guys listening. <laughs> but as we were getting on, we found out some news um, that happened or uh, over in Virginia to the reporter and cameraman from WDBJ, uh, which I'm sure by the time this airs, that it would already have gotten a lot of conversation, uh, not only in the news, but also in social media. Mm-hmm. They were both shot and killed live. And it's been a, a kind of tough. And at least for me, it kind of, uh, since our conversation today is about boundaries and online safety and privacy, it was really quite poignant that we're doing what we're doing. So yeah, weird. I'm glad that we're speaking about this very important issue and our condolences to everybody involved. Oh gosh, especially their families. Yeah. So sad. I know. So public and sad. So public and sad and, and multi-layered. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about this in different uh, formats at some point, uh, especially especially with the live component and social media component, which is why we are kind of talking about this from a different perspective. And I feel that now it fuels it even more. So there's that. But so- now... That brings us to today's topic. Yes, uh, which is about privacy and whatnot. But before we get into that, Jess, though, why don't we kind of shift the mood just a little bit? If we could. If we can, right? Because it's kind of tough. But I think this will bring you guys a little lightheartedness. So we're going to get some feedback out of the way first, (laughs) which (laughs) is really great. So again, and we had some feedback. Nice feedback nice feedback. And this is for our sponsor, Boss Jock, which full disclosure, again, they're our sponsor. And we requested from our ladies to give us some feedback last week to how they are using Boss Jock. So we got a couple of emails and one of them, and actually emails and audio files, but Amy Robles actually sent us her email. She sent, um, it was so cute, her recording. (laughs) It was a happy birthday recording of her and one of her babies. I'm not sure, you know, or maybe all of her babies singing happy birthday. And it's a a general happy birthday. I assume that she is sending out to people that are in social media and whatnot, which is kind of lovely. Uh, So uh, it was very, very cute. And the only reason I'm not playing it is because happy birthday is copyrighted. Yay. (laughs) What? It is. You cannot play happy birthday. 
What are you talking about? You cannot play happy birthday. Like the happy birthday to you. you. No, don't do it, dude. I'm telling you. What are you talking about? Okay, well, I'm telling you, you cannot sing happy birthday in a recording and share it. You cannot. You can go ahead and search while I continue with our feedback. Get the heck um, out of town. I'm not getting out of town. It's actually, it, it is, you cannot. So. Wow. I know, it's pretty crazy. It is. So now we are moving to the next little piece of feedback. And by the way, Amy, that was really awesome. Is a really awesome use. And when she sent yes, her file, it, it was really cute because it was recorded via Boss Jock Jr. And it had an embedded image on it. And it's very, very lovely. It's a wonderful way to kind of say happy birthday to your fellow social media peeps. Yeah. Uh, it's really cute to get a, a birthday song for you. Yeah. And Jen Eads, our... Uh, our lovely, lovely lady who was also a sponsor and who writes or she did our podcasting school for women. What was it? Commercial, I guess. Yeah, it was a yeah, commercial. Yeah, our promo. Yeah. Our promo mm-hmm. for podcasting school for women. Who is, she was also a lovely uh, audio person. Editor. She, editor. I know. Thanks for clarifying my language. I'll be this, the dictionary. Today. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be playing the part of the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. This girl, seriously, she wrote like a song for Bosch. Yes. And fantastic. she made a music video, which you will not watch because this is, of course, an, an audio, audio podcast. An audio podcast. But listening is so cute. It's so cute. So we're going to hear now from Jen and her Boss Jock Diddy. Boss Jock. Boss Jock. All the cool cats use the Boss Jock app. When they gotta rap on the go This cat is boss jock worthy My mic skills are so worldly You love to hear my super kitty hustle and flow Boss jock, boss jock, boss jock, boss jock How cute was that? It was fantastic and even the word ditty is one of my favorites <laughs> So thank you for using that before you played it because I love that. <laughs> because Diddy is awesome. And Diddy. it was just, I mean, it was honestly really cute. And in the video, she's playing with her cat because it's about the cat. It's hilarious. We should post it. We'll probably post it on the show Did notes. you see the you see dog in the background? Yes. With the so dog funny. and the thing around his neck. Random mm-hmm. dog in the <laughs> So silly and silly and silly and super, silly. Super, super cute. So you know what I was thinking? Like if we had like bonus features for just behind the scenes for she podcast in some way, this would definitely go into it because this would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But also speaking of fun songs, we have been remiss in playing this feedback that we got like a while ago. I'm, I'm talking months ago. This is way before we even went to podcast movement, way before that. And uh, we met Michael, both of you, us met Michael at Podcast Movement. He came up to us and he just, you know, met us and, and chatted with us for a little bit. And he again mentioned this song and I was like, oh my God, we haven't played it yet. That feel like such a dork. So Michael wrote a song <laughs> called Pink Yoga Pants for us. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't believe we haven't played this for you guys yet. I know, we haven't. And then this is the cool thing though. He actually wanted to figure out how Fiverr worked. So he hired somebody from Fiverr who's called Emily, and we will share her her link after the song because he wanted to see how it worked. So he gave her the song, and she basically sang it mm-hmm. for him. And then he sent it to us, which we I can't remember. I mean, I can't remember that we it's, – it's just crazy that how long it took us to put this on. So anyway, take it away, Emily. Take it away. 
my God. I don't even know how he thought about pink yoga pants. Like, How what? can you not think about them? <laughs> is really the question. <laughs> so shout out <sighs> to Emily for doing such a wonderful job for Michael. And she, you can find her at Fiverr.com slash Emily Sings. And we will have a link in the show notes. And that is per Michael's request. He really wanted to give her some to props. Give her props. Yeah. You know, so uh, she there is a link in the show notes. So <laughs> there's that, <laughs> which was really cute and lovely. And I love it. I love it. And um, so now we're going to get into the, the meat of our content. You ready? The show, yo. The show, yo. We're getting to and, the show, yo. And the show, yo. And this is actually a little bit of a mix between online safety and creating boundaries for ourselves. Well. What? Go ahead. No, you go <laughs> ahead. You said, well. Well, what? Well. It's not necessarily – it's more of a discussion about what we think about online safety, not ha- – not yes, I mean, we do have some tips as to how to be online safe, but I don't know. I am not a huge safety girl. That's not how it sounds because I- <laughs> that didn't sound good, but I mean no. – You know? But I'm not really big into social media safety, but there, I guess, but you know what? When I was going through the tips, there are some things that I do just because I feel like only an idiot wouldn't do them. <laughs> well, you know what, Jess? And this is kind of one of why I wanted to have this discussion because, because I know you and I think that you might. And I know you. Know, you. And yeah, so we have like two, and I know you, and we have, we get to bring like a different kind of perspective to all of these things yeah. because I do come and you know, it really depends on your upbringing totally in, depends on your upbringing to some degree 100 yes. i am the most sheltered princess alive it's true so i just yes i do come from that perspective of everything's safe right la 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 and in kind of like direct opposite of that i was raised in a third world country that happened to be in a civil war so i was in a war-torn country Mm-hmm. for when I was little. Yeah. So there were times when, you know, there was a curfew that was a countrywide curfew. At seven o'clock, nobody could go outside. You had to be indoors. There was a, a feeling of fear that was everywhere. There were times when we had the lights went off and then all you would hear would be gunfights outside and bombs going off. Yeah. So there was a level of fear that I grew up with and that has always been embedded in the way that I move in the world. And especially with my family, um, I remember walking down the street and I remember my grandmother looking around constantly. I remember being told, you are not allowed to walk anywhere by yourself. I always had to have somebody with me. And that was just it. No, never. And that kind of sensation or that kind of feeling came with us when we moved to this country at the same time. So there was always this sort of like, no, you are not allowed. Like I wasn't even allowed to go sleep at my like best friend's house, which were also from El Salvador that I had literally had been had grown up with uh, till I was about 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were not allowed to sleep over anybody's house ever. I was not allowed in a car basically ever. (laughs) So different. So, you know what I mean? So there was always this no first safety first thing. So that's kind of how I moved into the world from, from that perspective. And this conversation for me started when, so we've been doing, we have a slab, a 
private little Slack group, which is a little bit quiet, but that's because I have not um, instigated any conversations in there. But we do have a Slack group for the ladies who attended the She Podcast Workshop over at Podcast Movement. So we have a group of ladies in there that have access to one another. We thought it was important. And we also had a webinar that we did just for them. It was like a Q&A slash hot seats because we kind of ran out of time when we were doing our six hours of workshop. <laughs> yeah. So we decided to, to kind of do this and kind of continue their, their journey. And one of the questions was like, you know, when to start doing live events for your community as a podcaster. And there was a comment in there that was like, well, I mean, in addition to just having plain old, you know, advice for the person that was, had this question, there was also a conversation that started around, well, how safe is it to meet your listeners? and be live with them. And doesn't that give them more access? And and that was just a comment. It wasn't like the the crux of any conversation, but it made me think about that. Like I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it sort of stemmed from that perspective to see like, where are your boundaries as a podcaster, as a content creator who are constantly, we are constantly accessible. Um, we're constantly in some way reporting on what's going on. And now more than any other time, we're doing it live. So we are letting everybody know exactly where we are at all times, basically. So what do you think about that little bit of information there, Jess? I mean, (laughs) I know you're like, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't get the living. Like I, I'm not a person to live in fear about much. So you can say that's because I'm spoiled. You can say that's because I'm lucky. You can say that's because, I mean, just whatever. I tend to go about my day under the impression that most people are not out to do me harm. So I'm never afraid to uh meet people in person and and i'm like and i say this to you as one of the few people who like who was online dating like in two in the year 2000 because a lot of times like people were like are you crazy i can't do that they're gonna kill me in my sleep they're gonna blah 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 they're gonna blah 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 and i was like no no one's gonna be doing that that's the stupidest thing i ever heard but most people are like super scared of of meeting people online and I was just kind of like, well, but I don't like being single. So these are my options, right? Like <laughs> those are your right. options. Either, either you go and you're afraid and you do anyway, or you live in fear for the rest of your life. I don't need that. So I hear you. And I have yeah. the exact op- almost opposite response to that because it's, that's always been a big, big thing for me. Like again, because of where I was raised mm-hmm. because I saw Because I was coming out of my elementary school and there was a gunshot, like, just fire, fire everywhere, right outside of our school. And as I was leaving, I had to be thrown uh, basically underneath a car so that I wouldn't be seen and shot. But that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you can meet your listeners, though. No, no, no. I understand that. But that means... That is scary as see That I see that there is danger. Like, I see danger before I see not danger. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. And so, like, when you were talking about living in fear, it's not that I'm living in fear. I just see threats first. 
and yeah. foremost before I see anything else. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. It's just really because I have seen it firsthand and I've I've always been really engaged with the world. So th- that's another thing too. Like Yeah, whereas I'm not. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not. No, but I'm not at all. I, I you know, walk the streets. I have been in East LA on a bus. I used to bike ride through Los Angeles. I biked through the nasty parts of Hollywood. I walked everywhere. I knew I've been in, you know, and then pu- taking public transportation for years, that kind of really humbles you. And that really shows you what's mm-hmm. around you all the time. Yes. So I, I've been embedded in that. I don't, you know, it's, it's like, um, and I know Randy laughs at me because he he sent me a picture. I'm gonna, I'll see if I can put it in the show notes. He sent me a picture of this lady where she's like pulling a she's pulling a mule, and then she's got a baby stuck in her boob, and then she's got another. She's pulling another baby. She's like, "That's you." Oh my <laughs> god, like, it is you though. It's totally me. And then when I saw uh-huh. that, I actually was like, "Oh, that is me." Like it's it's so yeah, neat kind to of be is. part of that. And yeah. and so I and and I you know I was actually just held up by uh, by gunpoint. Two blocks away from my house. When? In, uh, I think it was two years ago, right? Uh, where we used to live. We used to will- live in Wilkinsburg in Pittsburgh. Wilkinsburg is sort of like Compton in LA to some degree. Um, it's like if you went into Bal- the, the bad parts of Baltimore, Maryland, kind of sort of around those lines. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I was coming home from teaching a class. It was around eight o'clock at night. I was walking down the street in front of a church. It was I know it was Ash Wednesday because I had the instinct as I was walking down the street to go inside the church. And I'm like, why do I want to go inside the church right now? The mass started like 20 minutes ago and I decided not to. I should have followed that instinct and we're going to talk about that. And I kept walking down the street and there was a kid that came in. He wanted to take my iPhone from me, which was a bad idea on his part. And yeah. he, he put a, a gun in my face and I refused to give him my iPhone. You did, even with a gun in your face? Now, see, I that's did. where I would be like, take whatever you want. Yeah, I did. I refused. I looked at him in the eye, and I said no. I can't believe it. Wow, you are a badass. And then he sa- he asked me again, and I said no. Holy crap. And then he fr- I freaked him out because I refused so strongly, I guess. I don't know, because I was really, again, I was really conscious, and I refused. So he didn't know what to do, so he decided he wanted to grab it from me, but all he grabbed... Uh, you know, he grabbed it and he ran away, but he didn't actually grab anything. He just pulled, uh, he thought he was going to lift it out of my pocket in some way. And he never even got the headphones or the phone itself. And at that time, I was just like, oh my God, for a second. And then I ran home, literally two blocks away. I was like, holy crap, he's going to come back and get me. And it wasn't until afterwards that I did get panic and scared because then I thought like the possible, you know, at that moment, I was so sure about me. Um, And then after I got home, I kind of got really freaked out. And then my mind started to go to what if this, because, you know, I kind of emasculated him. Yes, you did. I totally took That's very dangerous that what you power. did, actually. You're kind yeah. of a, like, I admire you, but I, now I fear for your life a little too, to be honest. Well, that's, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You don't do that to someone with a gun. You just hand over your shit. What are you, ta- what are you doing? That's what I was afraid of afterwards. I was like, here's this kid who some lady basically, you know, took my balls off and he's going to go get his buddies and they're going to find me. That's what I was afraid of. And uh, so then I was even more careful going down the street. But I mean, it was uh, but mind you, I was also super covered up. I, I, you know, I had a a thing on my head. I had an entire jacket covering my entire body. So 
there was very little of my body or my hair. Like he had no idea other than possibly my eyes that I'm sure he remembered that were the only thing that he remembered about me. Other than that, okay, I was covered this up. still does not – let me just say this because I realize that we come from completely different frames of references. Right. And I, and I appreciate and respect that. However – I know that colors the way that I think about meeting people online and social media. I know that it does. But that said, have you ever met someone that you knew online and felt creeped out? Ever? I said like meeting, like not from people from my community. No, like anybody ever dating. Like, and I'm not saying creeped out like this guy is creepy. I'm saying creeped out like this guy might kill me or this woman might kill me or, oh, my God, they know where I live now. Have you ever felt like that? Like, really felt scared for your life, like, since 2006? Not from my online, but I have met people that have made me feel like that. But not from Facebook, not from Twitter, not from Match.com or whatever. No, not from online stuff. Okay, so I was online dating in 2000 using AOL chat and stuff like that. And I mean, it's dangerous. I mean, nobody, you don't know what people are on chat. I mean, it could be, could have been a 12-year-old girl for all I knew. But like, yeah, definitely people misrepresented themselves through dating and whatever. But I never felt like they were going to kill me. Like, I never felt like I was scared for my life. Never. In 15 years, never. And that is more where I'm coming from and not necessarily like, yes, I grew up. I mean, so unlike Elsie, I grew up in Frederick, Maryland. It's near the mountains. And at the time it was, it was not as developed as it even is now, which isn't saying much, but like it's an hour North of Washington, an hour East of Baltimore. It's sort of like dead smack in the middle of Maryland. There's mountains. It's very Norman Rockwelly. I was the only Jew. I was one of two Jews in my graduating class. Um, one, I think we talked about this before, one Indian guy in the whole four years I was in high school and two Asian. Oh, well, two Asian uh, people, like one girl and one boy in my class. There were others, but not necessarily. But so, so very sheltered. I mean, black people, but, but, very, but other ethnicities weren't really around. And so we all kind of intermingled. I never felt threatened by any other ethnicity. I don't have any stereotypes about, about black people because we all, you know, I could walk down any street in Frederick, even the bad parts and feel like, well, I'm cool. You never read about murder in the paper. I never read about kidnappings. I never read about that stuff in the Frederick Post. The Frederick Post is about who has the biggest squash. So like crime isn't on my mind the way it is on yours. And so I just want to admit that freely so that when I do get feedback from this conversation, people are like, you're a spoiled bitch. I get it. I know. I realize that I'm spoiled. But that said, I've also been doing social media consulting almost this whole time. Not since 2000, but yeah, I mean, since 1999, talking about the internet to somebody, trying to convince somebody to do it. And I've never met someone who felt threatened by someone they met on the internet. And I've never felt that way myself. And I mean, I was like a serial dater for like two years on there. Like I had a date because I had my kids every other week. They went with their dad for a week and they were with me for a week. And like I was meeting another guy every night because I didn't have anything else to do. So why not go to dinner? Right. So, I mean, like, and yeah, they definitely misrepresented themselves. I could write a whole book about it, but never anyone that I thought was going to get me or kill me. So, I mean, 
should you meet your fans online? I say yes. I don't think you should meet them at your house. But I do know people who do that. Right. And also, so let's put an extra layer on it. But Claire Pels just came to my house last week. And it was well, great. Well, Claire, but my God, like we've known Claire psycho. for a long time. I mean, that's like she not could even. She just be setting up friends online to go kill them in their sleep. We she don't know. Could. She could. Anybody could. Isn't that the point of yes, security? Yes, that is true. Anybody out there could be a serial killer. But the question is, do you live in fear of that or do you meet your friend? That's my no, question. Well, no, but see, I think that there's a difference and there's a difference like, you know, dealing wow. with them and knowing their online work and getting to know them in that perspective rather than, you know, people that you randomly come into contact with that you really don't know that much about. And also there's the layer of being a woman, which I think is a little bit different. And I think that there are a lot of questions that we might be asking or saying in this episode that a lot of guys are just going to be like, uh, okay, yeah. really? You know, because it doesn't really matter. I mean, honestly, though, Jess, as a woman, I behave differently. I see things differently, especially when it comes to the safety of me and my body and what I'm wearing all the time. When I was in college and I joined a sorority, one of the first things you have to do as a sorority girl is go to this, like, how to stop a rape from happening seminar. And so they give you all these tips, like if you smoke, walk with a lit cigarette at night. Or always hold one key out so that if someone does attack you, you can just jam it up their nose or jam it in their throat. So, like, I have all these little, like, secrets to maiming someone. (laughs) I've never had to use any of them, but I'm just saying, like, they're always in the back of my head. And and I think that's part of being a woman. And, you know, remember that hashtag, yes, all women? No. If you don't remember it. Go on Twitter and type in hashtag yes, all women. And it talks about all the things that women think about that men don't realize we think about. It was a really big deal a couple of months ago. Yes, all women. I'm sure people are still doing it. But anyway, I'll just read a few of them just because this is kind of like what we're talking about. Yes, all women go through physical, mental and sexual abuse. You know, like that's just one of them. Yes, all women, because I can't go on a run without getting honked at and screamed at like 20 times. Yes, all women, because oh, being a woman born in South Africa has a better chance of being raped than learning to read. That kind of stuff. Right. The, the hashtags are very powerful, but unfortunately, they're right. So, yes, definitely as a woman, I think about that stuff. But that's still, you know, I still get my key out and keep walking. I don't think about it that much, I guess. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I guess I should be. It, it Again, it also comes back to where you come from and what your experience has been. I got to tell you something, though. When I was in L.A., anywhere that I was walking to in Los Angeles or even in any parts of uh, Southern California, really, mm-hmm. I would get hollered at all I do too. the time. No, no, but hold on. I'm, I'm going to something different here. Well, not do. So Let's say I got did. constantly honked at. <laughs> I don't now. I'm invisible now. You're like, no, I got, you know, honked on, yelled at, leered at, like all kinds of shit, like all the time. Like I just became completely numb to it. There comes a point, you know, even though, and then so it makes you toughen up. When I was in Pittsburgh, that didn't happen. Why? I think I could count. And Are you t- invisible too now? No, I really honestly think that it depends on where you are. And Maybe. the majority of people and, and like uh, the, the population, I honestly think that that has something to do with it. When I went to Dallas, I mean, sorry, Fort Worth, I went outside with Kate and we walked and talked. Yeah. And I got hollered at and I was like, ah, I think it has something to do. With <laughs> I think it's that Southern. The location. And, yeah. and I am going to actually, for, for, for myself, 
I am going to put myself out here as a Latina because I am. Maybe it has to do with us brown folks because Latino men tend to do that. And that's usually where I learned it. In El Salvador, it was the same thing. Even when I was a little girl, you still get the leers and you still get the comments and you still get the underhanded mamacita where it makes your whole skin crawl. It's rude as shit, though. It's just like, ugh. It's gross. It it is gross. And then I, you know, that's not in Pittsburgh. Mind you, Pittsburgh has like two Latinos. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, you know, it may or may not be what that is, but I'm just saying. But anyway, we should actually get into what we were going to, what are we talking about? Oh my God, how long have we been talking about this without even getting into the tips? 30 minutes. All right. So here's how we're going to start addressing this. And I spoke with uh, Ms. Callie Fulmer from PossiblySparks.com about all of this stuff. So everything that I mentioned, if you find any insight or wisdom behind any of these tips, this did not come out of Elsie's head. This is Callie's thoughts, and she gave me a lot to think about. So I kind of have put this out there, and I will, again, give you who she is later on in the show. But again, a lot of this insight comes from her, and we will build on it, but most of the discussion points are hers. So one of the first things that she mentioned was, who are you and what's your thing? Like, where are you... What are you dealing with, especially from the beginning? Are we talking about, do you have a proper nine to five job? Do you have a business of your own that you're dealing with? Do you have a strong presence online Um, or are you planning it? You know, um, something along those lines. Do you have a strong in real life presence? Like, are you a speaker type of person or are you planning on having one? Uh, And, you know, really, what's the relationship between your personal and public life work slash business? And does your job, you know, entail you being public or does your job entail you not being public? Because there's a lot of jobs now that have you like signed social media things where there are certain things you simply cannot say on social yeah. media, uh, depending on your jobs. And then there's some of them that there is none of that. So where's the line drawn between that presence of you being at work and not being at work, which I think is really muddy, uh, especially with those of us that are making a living online who don't really have a like a company. I mean, I work for Libsyn, of course, and I am the social media community manager of all things. So that's what I do. But what if you have your own business like you, Jess? Uh, And I know how you feel about being online and being transparent, but uh, what do you think about that? Like start, that's the starting point, right? Yeah. Lately I've been more transparent than normal. Actually. I can't tell what it's doing for my business though. I can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's not necessarily an experiment. It's just more of me going, I can't tell people to be authentic and then not share what's going on with me because I feel like a heel. Okay. Yeah. You're a big fan of this. So mind you, I learned a lot from you from Brand Boo, uh, your course that you did about online uh, and doing things in a different way than what are generally taught. I did learn a lot from you on that. Yeah, I mean, I really believe in controlled vulnerability. I think that you are supposed to make it seem like you're sharing a lot about yourself without sharing that you're like unhappy in your marriage or that you've got health issues. Like that's not the stuff I mean. That stuff, you don't want to share stuff that makes people feel bad for you. And that's not to say I'm trying to perpetuate um, a reputation where everything's handy dandy all the time. I just mean... There's an art and science, I think, to sharing about yourself that makes people feel like they know you without putting yourself in a position where you look bad or that you're in danger. Um, There's a fine line there. And I feel like I walk it pretty well. At least I think I do. Talking about my daughter and her addiction was her idea, though. So like 
some people were like, I can't believe you posted that. And how is she going to feel about that when she goes to get a job? And I was like, she told me to post it because she thinks people shouldn't have to go through that alone. Right. You know, which I thought was brave. So I just did it because she asked me to. But for the most part, I don't know that I would have. But after months and months, it was just kind of eating me up. I felt like I had to. Not that I owe – you don't owe people on Facebook something, but it's more about – Hey, if you're using it, why are you going to be somebody else? I think that yeah. So here's here's a question that don't be somebody else. We were just talking about you know wanting to go back to Little House on the Prairie Land. (laughs) Okay, so think about that though. What if I mean it could be a Little House on the Prairie episode? Like if we you know were in that world, then what we would do if our daughter was having some kind of you know whatever you know with M's M's going through right now, then you would actually go tell the teacher or you would tell your friends. Like you wouldn't. Even if you if you were like, you know, just raising goats or whatever and you were, you know, you were milking them and you weren't getting milk out because your daughter was sick, you would basically say that. I think it would be totally different in Prairie Land because, first of all, most ailments, people didn't understand how they worked. They probably just would – she just would have been like the town drunk or whatever. And then secondly, if you don't tell people the truth, they would be left to make up their own conclusions. Then rumors start. Then people don't, you know, buy goats from you anymore. Because you, they don't know what's going on with your kid, like you know, and so it's also a way when you are being transparent of controlling the conversation, and that's what your friendly social media manager has been telling you from the beginning that the reason you participate in social media is to control the conversation that's being talked about you, that's right. being that's centered around you. It's that a, is key. Yeah. It's to control that. Con- you're right. It's to control that conversation because you don't just let it. Ha- mm-hmm. I, absolutely, I I, ang- I agree with you. But let's let's get back to the point really quick. So those points that we mentioned before. Do you have a proper nine to five job? Do you own your business? You know, do you have a strong online presence? Or are you planning on doing this? Especially the are you planning on doing this? Are you going to be doing things in real life? And then what do you want your relationship to be between personal and public life? So we're going to go now into Gary V, who I saw this post from Gary V via Megan Pangan's feed, who took our lovely headshot pictures. And um, mm-hmm. I was like very interested in hearing what he said. And he he actually, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this specific picture that he posted on his feed, which obviously it's public. And then mm-hmm. and the, the headline for this is before you question my work slash life balance read this. And uh, it's a really long post. And I just uh, highlighted or bolded a, a couple of areas that I think are really important in this really to just kind of get the gist of it. And one of them is that he said, the way that I storytell my life versus the way I storytell my private life are very different. And that's very much intended. So uh, this is something that I've been really uh, looking for myself as well, because my biggest complaint, I guess, for uh, sharing things online is that there is a sense of responsibility that I feel from people's perceptions of what your life is like versus what your life is really like. And there's a way to uh, put a you know, a lens or a, a filter, if you will, since filters are so, so very uh, famous right now and things like Instagram and everything else out there, you know, even videos that you can craft what people see in a way that it still tells a story. And I very much craft the story that I tell out there, but I also feel that I don't want to craft a story that is not true about how hard or challenging or very much like you, my life is. So, 
I tend to not post pictures of me meditating in the middle of the forest or doing a random yoga pose uh, with a you know with my lithe and strong body because that is not true. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't sit around oming all day. I have children that are in my face all day. I lose my cool a lot. Um, I get frustrated. I don't have time. I don't eat well a lot of the time. I do my very best to be conscious about all of these things and make better choices in my world and in my life. And I'm assuming that everybody else does that. But I am hell-bent on not making you put me up on a pedestal and say like, well, Elsie can do it because she's so perfect. I'm not like that. I just do my best. And I will show you whenever I see some beautiful things out there, I want to share with that with you. But I'm not going to do it from the perspective of, Everything is peachy. Yeah, that's bad, I think, when yeah. people do that. And something else Gary B. Uh, said is never assume you have the whole story. And Oh, I never assume I have the whole there story. There are a lot more things going on here than just the things that you are making assumptions on. And this also brings responsibility back to the person that's intaking, right? Because a lot of the judgments that we have when we see a picture or a lot of the feedback that we receive from ourselves when we see an image, a post, or read something really stems from our own experience and our own opinion about something. So uh, a lot of the time we make assumptions that are based upon our own history or our own experience rather than the reality of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, it's true. So there's that. Uh, I really hate it. And you know what? Not only do I hate when people paint a rosy picture, but I can sniff it out like a dog. Yeah. I know when people are bullshitting me. I know when people are not telling me the whole story because you know why? They don't say anything of value. They are just small talking me to death about the weather, about going to sleep, about first day of school. Like I know when people are BSing their way through social media and it's because, yeah, nothing they ever say is deep or thoughtful or interesting or funny or a secret. It's always just like, la-di-da, today's another day, coffee Mondays, la-la-la. That's, that's when I know people are just completely full of crap. Coffee Mondays. I hate coffee Monday posts. I didn't even know if that was a thing, but whatever. I don't have my coffee yet. Ugh, you're not saying anything. Oh, gosh. I would rather be silent for four days than say, I need my coffee today. Ugh. Shut up about your coffee. And that's a, and that's a whole other conversation. But no, because I we were actually just talking about that. You know how we um as like I was saying this that as a society I feel now uh, it feels like we do not really exist if we don't share it. You know, there's there yes. it's like whatever we think. Oh, I got to tweet it out, or whatever we <sighs> take a picture. Oh my god, it doesn't. Nobody is gonna. It, this really, in fact, it has not happened until somebody likes it or gives you a thumbs up or comments. I think at first it felt that way. At first when I logged into Facebook, I was thinking in status updates all the time. Yes, of course, because yes. Now, seven years later, I don't do that as much. Um, No, do you? No, but I just had a thought. Well, don't waste it. I can't it. believe it. Oh my gosh. Don't waste it. I was going to say I can't believe it, but that sounded insulting. Yes, totally. No, I, I get it. I, I said it as if, as if I never think. But but see, here's, <laughs> but here's something, because you were just saying after seven years later, you're no longer thinking about that, but that's sort of like what happens with podcasters when they first start podcasting and they're obsessed with their stats. 
It's mm-hmm, that feeling. Mm-hmm. They only yeah, think yeah, about yeah. stats. When they just launch a podcast, it's like stats, 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 stats. Yeah, How yeah, many yeah, downloads? And then seven years later, when's the last time you checked your, I, yeah, your, even cares? your a Libsyn right. account? You just didn't go in there to look at your stats. You just don't do that yeah. anymore. So but, I don't take pictures. Although I will say this, though. I am not everyone because I am actually currently under the same roof with someone who doesn't listen to my show, who does everything for the purpose of posting it on Facebook and Instagram. And it drives me baloney bonkers. It drives me bananas because, um, so like, for example, uh, she, she's, uh, let's say we're at a wedding. Like I don't want, and this is even before social media. Let's be honest. Like I'm not the person I would take my camera to take pictures of me and my husband, me and my friends at a wedding. I don't go to be like the backup photographer at a wedding. I don't want to take pictures of the bride right. and groom. I'm not getting in the way of the videographer. I don't have to sit on the aisle so I can get a good kiss shot. Like I don't give a shit about that. It's their problem. But I would take my camera, my digital camera along just so I could get my own. But this particular person had a very, you know, has a very expensive camera and would schlep it everywhere for her just in case version of whatever event we've ever attended. And so now she does it with her phone. She's constantly snapping so much so that I feel like she can never enjoy an event. And I feel like people who are doing that, who are tweeting live every second of like podcast movement or new media expo or any anything, anything you're tweeting live every second, I feel like okay, yes, you're writing down the information, therefore you're retaining it, but are you enjoying yourself? Are you relaxed? Or are you waiting for the next tidbit to make you look like a genius? Yep. And I don't, I used to do the tweeting thing, but I stopped because I feel like I can't live in the moment. My phone interrupts me, my capability of living in the moment. So I don't want it to anymore. So I just made a conscious effort to not do it. If there, if I can do a selfie, one from a wedding, that's fine. One with the bride and groom, maybe. But I'm not taking 100 shots from an event anymore on my phone. It's insane. No, I, I, I totally, yes, yes, yes and yes. So. <laughs> and when I see people do it, it makes me want to punch them. And there's, you know, everybody, yeah, absolutely. I think that we've all come to, the, to a place where we need to be aware of that. And there are some of us who do it not even thinking about how that's going to affect other people as well. Like there's been some times, you know, my girls go to soccer on Thursday mornings and they have mm-hmm. soccer class and it's so cute. And I will take pictures once in a while so that I can remember them. But for the most part, I want to keep, there's a lot of other kids there. And I Mm -hmm. really, really respect other children's privacy. You know, it's not my job to be posting five other kids whose parents did not give me permission to post it up anywhere. And I kind of feel like if I'm taking just a picture of them in that respect, I'm not going to be posting that anywhere. You know, actually, it's funny that you say that because I just had a family friend take a picture of of Isaac at the pool Mm -hmm. and posted it. And it kind of pissed me off that she didn't ask. Yeah, I, I would never do that. I would never do that because I don't want anybody to do that with my kids. I don't like it either. I didn't like I, it. And so I, I honestly do not. I do not want that. And if and it is permission, that's fine. I will grant permission. I will grant certain things, but I do not want my children on somebody else's feed uh, mm-hmm. without my permission that, or somebody else sharing them or whatever in, in that respect. That I do not like that. So I, don't like I will take them as memory, my memory pictures of them playing soccer. And whenever they're by themselves, I will do that as well, but not with other kids. So there's a lot of pictures of my kid online that I didn't take Isaac. I mean, and I usually, I usually just allow it 
for a couple of reasons. One, because this person isn't like, doesn't have that huge of a network, Mm -hmm. but then she tags me and then everyone in my network sees it. And then two, because this person is just, like I said, she doesn't have, I guess, a lot going on. So they're kind of chronicling their life. And if, you know, and their life includes my kid in a, in a big way. And also if it was unflattering, I'm sure that she would take it down. Like, I feel, I know she would take it down, but yeah, the other person that took a picture of him at the pool, like, I don't see her that often. She had no right to do that. Like, that was just weird, I thought. Yeah. You know, that pissed me off. Um, So, yeah, it's a really weird fine line, like, because I noticed that, you know, the Gary Vee thing when he's just like, I don't do a lot of stuff with my kids because I think it's their choice. You know, that I've never, my kids have never, my older kids have never cared that they've been tagged in something. And Isaac, I think so much of his life will be digital from the get-go. I don't think he'll be bothered by it. However, if he ever goes online and says, everyone can see my baby pictures, hello, I'm 15, get rid of it. I'll get rid of it. I'll ask people to get rid of it. But he'll have to ask me because, you know, everyone else does that. And I don't post any pictures. I don't post anything embarrassing. There's no tushy shots. There's no pictures of him crying. There's no pictures of, there are some with messy face, but nothing that's like someday later is going to humiliate him, I think. At least not so far. That's where I draw the line for kids. It's like, you don't post pictures of your kids. People are, I don't know, wondering if they're like disfigured, I think. (laughs) I do anyway. And I think it just depends. And again, now this is going to bring us to another bit of the conversation here, which is it's about predetermining your boundaries. And this was something that Callie was very clear about and something that I, you know, that we don't, it's one of those things where you don't really think about a lot of what we're going to talk about today until something is happening to you or something Mm -hmm. has happened where we go like, oh, I should not have done that. So it really is up to us, even when things are not going wrong. It's sort of like, you know, when you don't take care of yourself, well, I'm going to just keep smoking because... I don't have anything wrong with me. And my grandfather lived till he was 100 and he smoked all his life. You know, there's always that. And then later Mm -hmm. on when you get in trouble, it's like, oh, I should have stopped smoking 20 years ago. You know, and it's Mm -hmm. sort of like our human nature is like that to not really prepare often. I I have to say that that's been my MO a lot of the time. Uh, And so predetermining your boundaries might seem like, oh my God, really? But what she really drove home for me also was that this kind of preparation has to happen inside of whenever things are comfortable. You have to make these choices when things are comfortable inside of your home, like when you're thinking about these inside of your home. So you have to really start to think about what's acceptable for yourself, both in your personal life and your work life, while you're mm-hmm. sitting in your living room, like while you're at home. And you have to think about some of these scenarios and be very super clear about what's okay and what's not okay for you. So this isn't, again, something that, oh, she doesn't do it. Like maybe your choices, Jess, are going to be completely different than my choices, right? Maybe you're yeah. not going to think about something and I'm really, and it's going to really matter to me. And it's something that I that I got to do. So, and, and it really, what does this look like from the day to day life is something that I, I thought was a really key. And for me, uh, like as a yoga instructor, it's something that is very important that usually what happens is yoga students, especially the beginner ones tend to come to yoga so that they can feel better and they feel better in the room. And they feel that yoga, that class with me is the thing that's changing them. But they don't realize that whatever they feel inside of that classroom, they can actually do 
in their life. You don't need to come to class to get that yummy feeling. Uh, but we tend to sort of take that off and sort of put it out aside and we don't really see what it looks like in your everyday. And what that means is for the safety, online safety is you got to figure out what you're going to say when it comes up in advance and stick to it. When it comes to protecting whatever things you want to protect, uh, you also need to know, you know, to let to know those around you to adhere to what you, you want to disclose in your life. Because it doesn't matter if you're like very protective of your children, but then your mom is out there not protecting of your children and is posting all these different pictures and maybe there's boundaries that you want and she doesn't understand it or something along those lines. I'm just using that example. Mom, if you hear this, I'm okay with you sharing pictures of my girls. <laughs> but I'm just saying yeah. that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work if one person makes a decision, but you don't communicate that to those people closest to you. So... Um, and, and something that Kelly said that was really funny is that she said, most of us don't go through our days lying all the time. <laughs> so we're not really used to doing that, which means, and then the lying comes into play when she had mentioned about giving your kids a different name, you know, like making up a name or making up a name of where, or saying that you live somewhere where you don't live, which is what Callie does. Actually, she doesn't live where she, where her PO box says she lives. And so you have to start to think about those different things. And if that doesn't feel good in your body to say, you have to practice it if it matters to you. So things like, where do you live? How many kids do you have? Are you married? And when people ask you these questions, if you choose to, to perhaps not hide, but not fully reveal the truth about these things for your protection, then you need to start to practice saying that this is who you are or in a way that it's truthful and you got to do it in real life. Cause if not, you're going to stumble and you're going to end up, you know, shooting yourself in the foot. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Jess? I mean, the where you live thing is kind of smart and I've been doing that, but mostly it's just cause I'm embarrassed that I live in Wilmington. Oh my God. <laughs> but then you're saying it right now. But anyway, I'm saying it right now. Um, but I don't really care if people know where I live. And as far as like, the kids thing, no, I don't really think you should give them different names. I think that's just confusing. And it makes you have to keep up the lie. It's like the other one thing about lying people forget is that it can be exhausting. And you're to right. To remember what you said before and like keep up the f facade. Like I don't bother with that. Like a different city, that's fine. I mean, that's probably safe. And, and I mean, some of her other tips like about your whereabouts, I don't often check in somewhere unless I'm on my way home. That's my trick is like I don't tell people where I am unless I'm on my way home because that way if someone were going to rob me, I would catch them in the act of doing it, you know? Right. Rather than be gone for two hours saying that I was at the movies. That's just – it's just not that smart. But I'm not really afraid that I'll have like some crazy fan show up. Um, although I did have someone make me feel that way at one point. She – tested my boundaries a lot and I had to explain over and over why I had the boundaries that I had like just because and if you're listening to this you know who that I'm talking about you and I'm very sorry I'm not going to say your name use you as an example but like she just was we were we are friends and we were friendly but she wanted to do a lot of like let me stop by and xyz and I'm not a pop-in girl like mm. I don't like that don't pop in. Yeah, Never pop, pop in. in. I don't like when my in-laws do it. I don't want friends to do it. And I certainly don't want clients to do it just because you're close to me. Like, I don't want to pop in ever from anybody ever. 
So um, I had to just keep explaining, like, my time's really valuable and I don't want to stop and chit-chat and I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just had to keep saying it over and over and over again. So it is kind of smart to not tell people that you're close if you're close, especially if you live in a big city like New York or Philadelphia or L.A. Because you never know how close you are to people who are just like, let's go check this person out. Wee! Let's go stand outside the building and watch them go have breakfast. Like, that oh is kind of scary. No, that is kind of scary. It is, but I think that these kinds of questions, again, we're going to go to the things that you find valuable. So if you really don't want to really disclose your exact location of where you live, you're going to have to come up with where it is that you do want to say that you live, and you have to get used to saying it. So the yes. whole point is that we're not used to lying. We're not used to doing this naturally, except psychopaths. But um, most, <laughs> most of us are not used to it. You know what I mean? And especially yeah. if, you do, if you do want to or you have a sense of privacy more in your body and you do want to not disclose about your family life or even who if you're dating or if you're married or what's going on with you, then you do have to practice what answer you're going to have for these questions. That's all that the tip is really here. And then she goes into other little things, and we're just going to go through these fairly quickly. Um, the first one is that is what uh, Jessica alluded to, which is using a P.O. box for your bulk emails. Which I would never do, by the way. Not emails, for your actual snail mails, not emails, because that would be weird to have a P.O. Mm -hmm. box for your emails. If you put an address on your website, oh, that bulk emails, that's right, consider having it in another town. So mm. that's kind of smart. Yeah, I would never do that, though. Go ahead. Get uh, who is protection for your personal information from your domain name reseller. This prevents people from using who is lookup and seeing all of your personal information, which is duh, available. Uh, think about using a different town as being where you are from social media profiles. And don't check in places if you don't want people to know where you frequent. So, um, yeah, I haven't done that very often in, in, in a while, although there's something really fun about that. But I generally do it eh. consciously. Like I, I do it consciously when I check in. I'm just not like I'm at the grocery store. Yeah, I'm at I the thing. Either. Like I don't do that. I do it at the airport and like when I'm traveling just for fun. Just for – yeah, I do it like that or when I visit like a new place and I want other people to know about this fun new place yeah, then I exactly. do it that way. Yeah, same. For identity theft protection, use a different birthday, which is really interesting. How do you do that? Like do you use a – I don't. Do a, a different you birthday? You just don't like share on, your year. You don't share your year. That's the way people know it's you and, you know, et cetera. I don't share what year it is. Uh, turn off – Because that's a social security issue. That's true. Yeah. Turn off a GPS tagging on your photos if you plan to post them online. So this is something yeah. that we often forget, even if we think we're doing it. If you don't manually go set it on your phone, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but that's another thing that goes back to what I was saying before, where if I'm somewhere, I don't usually post a photo from that place. Like, I won't do it till later. I'm not taking time at the fair to post pictures of the fair. That's just dumb. Yeah, but see... Enjoy yourself at the fair and then leave. Well, so here's the other thing, though, Jess, and, and this is what I was thinking. In terms of reverse engineering people's... Let's say you don't share where you live or whatever, you can very easily look at your, whatever pictures you post and see where you've been and triangulate some kind of information from that because your phone does that. So even if you take a random picture on a random park and you post it later... That's the park near your home, or somebody could start to deduce that if somebody's really looking at your photos. So mm. uh, that's all I'm saying. It's, it's like in terms of GPS, I didn't think of that. you can start right. to back do your do the detective work that you so love to do, Jess. People can do that to you. 
I do love to do um, it. That's why I don't want people not to do it. Uh, no, so, I'm kidding. So, uh, totally. And this is number seven, which is exactly what you were talking about. Think about time delaying your posts. If it is important mm-hmm. uh, to your brand that you post photos at some restaurant, right? Delay the post for a few hours until you're gone. So if someone's looking for you, you won't be there. Yeah. Uh, and this is something that I've never thought of, but cars are very recognizable and fairly unique in a local area. Don't post photos of your car. And duh, especially not your license plate. <laughs> it's so funny because in the last six <laughs> minutes, the person I was telling you about yeah. just posted 11 pictures of my kid. Not the person who saw him at the pool, but the person who I'm under the same roof with. Oh, my gosh. Literally 11 new photos wow. in the last eight minutes. How funny is How that? How funny is that? You see that? Ugh, it makes me... Ugh, it makes me... I mean, again, I can't say anything because what am I going to say? Well... That's what she's doing today is watching him. Right. That's true. Anyway. But uh, think about metadata. Keeping your computer free of viruses. Use an encryption program when you are connected to public Wi-Fi. And that's something that a lot of us don't ever think about. So... Uh, it's something that maybe you should start to consider. And I, I was going to reach out to a couple of my buddies who are like really into this stuff that have a lot of information about this sort of encryption data and things like that. I'm really self, I'm really conscious about that, Dojas. Anytime I, I go into public Wi-Fi, I'm constantly like, somebody's going to hack into my computer. Oh my God, I never thought of it. I it's would never really crazy. And I'm constantly aware of that. So IP masking is available to obscure your IP address when you post to the internet. So there is this thing that <laughs> I found. It's called hotspotshield.com and it hides your IP addresses and you can use that kind of stuff also for um, uh, when you're on public Wi-Fi and whatnot. So I, again, I think I'm going to really talk to somebody so that they can talk to us about this in more in depth because it's a little bit different. Yeah. The thing is, like, I feel like we're talking to two different people. Like, on the one hand, you have the people who are oversharing and not being cautious and not considering their kids' feelings. And then I feel like there's another set of people who don't feel comfortable and don't know what to share and therefore share nothing and therefore gain nothing from social media. And so those are the people I'm more worried about. Yeah. I'm more worried about the people who share nothing because they're so busy worrying about having their children kidnapped right out of their house, like, which is insane yes and i i agree with you that we i mean there's a there is absolutely a line but the the key here is that you really have to sit down with yourself and see what's acceptable for you and i kind of tell you you have to follow whatever comes up in your body and i'm a really huge believer about that because if you ever feel like i don't know if i should share this don't and you know it, it and it's a lot of that and i'm talking gut instinct i'm not talking about resistance to living your life and being a hermit for the rest of your life. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like social anxiety. I'm not talking about being an introvert. I'm not talking about those kinds of feelings. I'm talking about an actual understanding of when that knowledge comes to you. We are insightful enough to know the difference. And I think a lot of us know when we're supposed to or not do something for ourselves. And we tend to then overwrite it based upon somebody else's opinion. I just rather have people question um, when they have those feelings come up or follow their gut instincts, you know, that that's it. And then the last thing it says, use your business Facebook page and don't friend people you don't know, which I know for you, Jess, uh, this is not something that you, Ridiculous. you follow. Can't do right? that. So use your business page because you can't control the things your friends share about you on your page that may compromise your security. So you're kind of talking about that right now and to some degree, but you do know the person, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's hard. It, your page is useless, though. Your page, your page is useless. But I think that 
Um, in terms of sharing stuff with people, uh, it depends on how you're using Facebook. That's all. Yeah, There's a way to make true. your Facebook profile into a Facebook page if you want to go that route. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Or you can just make a Facebook page for your profile and have people like follow that if they want information and only only have like people you actually know and as your Facebook people. So it depends on how you use it. Again, it's what you want. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who have a huge resistance to Facebook, period. Like huge. So there you have it. Yeah. I think what we should talk about, I know we probably don't have any time now. Oh my God, there's so much more. Yeah. Maybe next time we should talk about how to get rid of like a, like who cares if they meet you in person and know where you live and stuff. How do you get rid of the people who are just happy to stalk you online? Oh. Who never stop emailing and Facebook texting and cell phone texting and LinkedIn profiling and constantly asking questions because you ran a course and they were in your Facebook group and yeah. now you're like their freebie mentor for life or they feel the need to write you and tell you every single thing that you're doing wrong on your show every second right. or they want to reach out to you and be your best friend i don't know and I, I mean as she podcasters we don't have any fans like that but i've come close to having some of that elsewhere like i ran a course and had someone who just like all of a sudden like yeah i was answering a few questions about facebook and how to use facebook and then all of a sudden i was hearing all her sad life stories about how she's a life coach but she hates her husband and he's this much older and she can't get a job and she's what just whatever just who the cares like right. no one like I, I there's no reason why i would care about that i barely knew her yeah i probably sound like a cold unfeeling jerk no you don't and i think that this is this is a very real thing i did have but that this kind is of- the boundary that i need is how to get rid of people who are like a time suck a constant time right suck. and so let's let's do this let's finish up and then we'll we'll actually talk about in real life kind of safety in next episode because we are running long here and i kind of want to really i do want to talk about this at a in a deeper level but in real life safety from fans we mean from online in real friends? life safety for ourselves just like situational awareness and stuff like that but i think that we can do that. But but right now, I want to follow up on what you're talking about here. So Callie also, you know, mentioned this, and this is something that maybe alludes uh, or actually hits exactly what you're talking about. And she said, the biggest mistake that women make is not to speak up about being uncomfortable when it's a small feeling rather than when, uh, the, you know, when the big uncomfortable becomes giant. So it's like, it's sort of like whenever that person, like we have to set those boundaries again, predetermined before. And then when somebody starts to cross that boundary and that you get that instinct, well, I don't know if I like this, that's when you make the choice rather than when you have what you were just talking about where it becomes a big old time sock and then this person is constantly reaching out to you via every single area that you're out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just exhausting. I had that kind of thing happen to me with, with yoga. Of course you did. Especially in Los Angeles. And it was exactly what you're talking about, but it was in real life. And it was a really, it, it's very challenging to have to, and, and I actually learned how to be on when I'm teaching. I'm there for you as a teacher. And then afterwards, I put on the energetic, like, block, get out of my face thing because it became too much. And it really was a time suck. And it was like, I have a pain here. What do you do with this? How do you do every single time after class? And that is just mm-hmm. simply not okay. Yeah, so um, it became really challenging. And she, you know, and something that she used a term that Callie used was we give taciturn permission, because you didn't tell me no the first time. 
Uh, because m- most of us want to be nice. Isn't that the case? We want to be nice. We want to be available. At first. We, yeah, ex- that's what I'm saying. But at the same time, when we want to be nice, we already have that feeling inside. We already have that knowledge. It's then that we have to, to cut it. So the moment that even begins to become the slightest bit uncomfortable, that's when you make the choice. And that's when the practice counts. You know, it's, I got to tell you, I had a woman who I was working with. I her- helped her through a, a really powerful emotional transition in her life. And mm. then she started to equate that release emotionally that she had with me. So mm-hmm. she started to, to kind of, you know, I was the person who healed her. I yep. was the one. Therefore, you need to know every update that ever happens. Yes, ever and again. then I was also the one that needed to get her out when she was there in again. So it became oh, this thing where she was like, can you come over, please? I have a headache. Or can you come over? I had this thing. I need to feel better. Or I need, you know, and she had physical issues. And it was a very challenging thing for me to finally, you know, kind of break up. And How did you do it? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. I can't remember how it all happened. I don't remember if it was one of those things where I, I sat down with her. I did have a couple of meetings with her and I sat down and I said, I want you to know that I am not the one that has the power over you. I am not the one that has the power to change you. You are the one that is having this power. I facilitate this for you here and there, but you can't call me when you have a headache or when you're when you're going through something like this, just like this. It's not okay. You had that conversation. You just came out with it like yes, that. Yes, we talked about it because I had Dude. to sit. I had to sit with her because she had to recognize that the, she was doing the healing. I wasn't. I was facilitating her body, and I understand what it feels like when somebody works puts their hands on you. I was very in depth, and I was there one hundred percent for her. But it was also draining me. Uh, because I gave so much of myself to help her through this. So I understand that. But I gave her permission. I taught her how to treat me. I taught her that I was available. I taught her to call me when she was feeling this way. So we need to stop it before it becomes escalation, you know, before you Mm -hmm. start getting that. So that's my advice for that. I mean, people who have a boundary issue with you probably have it with everyone that have true. consistent That's true. boundary issues. Um, and so luckily I am now skilled in putting up walls so people can't infiltrate that for me. Not as well as I'd like to be, but enough. I don't think I would be able to have said what you said. I probably would have just pretended I didn't see that person's text until they figured it out for themselves and then be like, oh, sorry, I was asleep or I didn't see it because I was doing 800 other things besides being your shoulder to lean on every second. Well, you know what, Jess? Here's the thing, though. We were very – we talked a lot during class. I mean, during our – it was a private client. This was a a client I worked with privately. So there's a lot to when I work with people privately. There's a lot of discussions. There's a lot of – there's a lot I learned, too, as a young teacher. I was a younger teacher then. And I, you know, just very much – wanted to empower her. And I had the connection, the intimate connection already happening with her. Mm-hmm. I, I had that connection talking to her. So I was able to speak with her. Whereas most of the online things, it's much harder because we don't have that rapport with somebody. It's only through text or posts. So they yeah. can't really be straight up about stuff like that. Because if you write that down, it's so much, I think it's a lot more challenging than actually saying it. 
I don't know. I, I yeah. may be wrong. This is why I take the passive aggressive approach, even though I know it's not right. Yeah, because that is still permission, and that. And we were talking about well, you know, the the, the tragedy that happened with the the Virginia folk and the disgruntled employee. And it's like you might be disgruntling some person who doesn't know how to deal with their own mind. And they might go crazy on you, crazy pants on you. Yeah. That would not be good. No, that wouldn't be good. So. <laughs> no, that would so, be bad. You're right. That would be bad. So anyway, I just think that that's great. So for next week, this is what I have on the, we still have somebody agenda. on the agenda. We're going to address uh, some of these issues when it comes to in being in real life, right? In real- I'd love to hear if you guys have questions you want us to answer about how to deal with X, Y, and Z situation. Yes. If you can totally do it anonymously if you want. You can do it. I know. How would that be? Coming from their email address. That would be so funny. No, they send it to us and ask us to be anonymous. Oh, I see. That's what I, I see. mean. Yeah. So, okay. I'm like, Ugh, it's coming from the email. No, just say, you know, don't say my name, but this is a situation and how would you have handled it? And you, if it's over, you can tell us how you handled it, even if you want. But I'm curious, you know, what other people have to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that that's a really great idea. You guys send in your questions you have or send in your thoughts and your opinions. And again, you can stay anonymous and, mm-hmm. you know, we can absolutely do that for you. Rob likes to say redacted when he gets an email that he reads on... <laughs> <laughs> that he he goes and that was from redacted. It's, <laughs> it's always really cute. Funny. Um, so we could do so. That's funny. Yes, send that. We would love to talk about that. Then we have in real life safety to address, and also we're going to address it from the perspective of who is is being perceived as the like the I, I can I can use a word stalker, but that's not really it. The the nuisance. Um, so that we can nudge, yeah, like a nudge, yeah, so that we can really address that person because a lot of people don't really have a clue that they're doing what they're doing and that that is intruding on somebody else's boundaries. So we're going to talk about it from that perspective. So there you have it. There you have it. There you have it. And again, if you want more information about Callie Fulmer, she is at possiblysparks.com and she is a business designer who helps people figure out within their business what their expertise is including like boundaries uh, and products and services and whatnot. So you can go check her out. And, you know, she really just talked with me. She gave me a lot of her time. She gave me a lot of things to think about. Very, very smart lady. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, Callie, for for all of that. So we that's what we'll be talking about next week. We want to hear from you. Please, feedback at ShePodcast.com. Feedback at ShePodcast.com. You can also simply record audio. Obviously, that's not going to be private, but you can record audio and attach it to your voice memo on your phone and send it to that. We will play that. Or you can use SpeakPipe, although SpeakPipe.com slash ShePodcast, you only have 90 seconds, so you're going to have to hurry up and talk. Uh, Or just send us an email. Or send us an email. Yeah, so it's up to you. That's it. That's it. That's it. We're ready to... Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. Yes. See you next time. See you next time. You wouldn't want to be a. I know. Oh, come on. They have great lives too, like us. They do. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>